Welcome to the Everything Building Envelope podcast. On this show, we discuss topics relating to the exterior building envelope, such as waterproofing, glazing, cladding, roofing, and more. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. For previous episodes, show notes, and bonus video content, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com. Welcome, everyone, to our Everything Building Envelope podcast. I'm Chris Matthews, President and Principal for GCI Consultants, and I'm your host today. I'm really excited today to have as our guest, Henry Lopez, who is the managing partner of Levante Business Group. And we work a lot with Henry. He assists us in our business as a third-party consultant in lots of different areas, and we've worked with him for several years with coaching and other input from Henry on the day-to-day operation of GCI. So I'm interested to talk to Henry today. Welcome, Henry. And you want to tell our audience a little bit about your background and and how uh, you and GCI came together? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on this show. I'm a listener of the podcast. But uh, yeah, I actually came to know GCI through your partner and one of the founders of GCI, which is Paul Beers. Paul was actually the second guest I ever had on my podcast oof, about three or four years ago now. So as to what I do, I, I'm a serial business owner. I'm also a business coach and a consultant, which is, as you said, how I've been working with GCI as a third-party consultant on various projects over the years. So I've owned about 11 or 12 different businesses, have bought, sold, built, had successes, had some failures in the business world. I started my career, though, back in the 80s as a computer programmer, went into software sales and marketing for most of the 90s, and then was able to segue into full-time business ownership in the early 2000s. And I know you call yourself a serial entrepreneur, and I think that's one of the things that really attracts us and makes our working relationship well, because many of us at GCI you know, we kind of look at ourselves as good or bad, rugged individualist and kind of having that entrepreneurial spirit. So I think we kind of mesh really well. As you said, owning all the businesses you have, that's a big part of of your makeup, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, that's definitely one of the reasons I enjoy working with GCI is you guys are very entrepreneurial, very lean organization, very productive, very entrepreneurial. That that's what I like working with. Those are the types of organizations I like working with. And so, yeah, it definitely is a match in the way that you guys think about things, the way that you are. You're always looking for new opportunities, never afraid to try something new, never even afraid to pivot different product lines or service offerings. And so that that is definitely a fit between the way I've been gone about business and the way that you guys operate. And that kind of leads into a, a good discussion topic of just the culture fit um, between you and us, some of your experience with culture in other organizations you've worked with. What do you see in GCI and and some of the things that some of the companies you've worked with in in your business as well, as far as culture and and the challenges and successes there? Yeah, Yeah, it's a good question. And, And of course, this is a topic that people talk about a lot. I think it gets a lot of lip service, you know, culture, and it sounds good. And I, I think what you guys have done very well is at the top, at the leadership level, you and, and Paul and Alfonso, I believe it starts at the top. I think you guys really believe 
in what you put forth as a culture. It's not just a plaque on the wall. You know, I call it lipstick on a pig. Or when you go into that not so good fast food restaurant and they have the employee of the month plaque on the wall, you know, you you see through that it's transparent. It's somebody at corporate who decided, hey, we'll do this and that'll be culture. You know, culture is what you guys believe in and truly in how you treat people and how you treat each other and how you treat your clients. It's who you are because it's an extension. The work that you guys do represents you. It represents Paul. It represents Alfonso and the other team members. And so I think that's where it starts. You know, your, your challenge, of course, is you are a very distributed organization. You're very virtual. You're not all in one office. And so what I have found in a lot of organizations, it's just hard to build a culture when you're not all together. Because you, you, if for no other reason, then you can't have those pep rallies, right? You can't gather the forces right. together and, and give them that big speech for the week. But you guys are doing it because the culture, you guys set it at the top. It's been consistent for all of these years that you guys have been in business. What is it, 30 years almost now? Is that right? Right, right. Yeah. And, and then what happens is it gets applied to the, what you look for in part in the people that you bring on to the team. So that, that's what I think you guys have done very well. And I think that you guys don't even necessarily do it all that consciously. It's who you are. And that's why I think you have such a productive culture at GCI. Well, and we've probably not done as good a job at some point in the past mostly because, as you said, we're a distributed company. We're doing everything virtually, as most companies now are quite familiar with the the virus situation, but we've been doing it like that for over 10 years. So, you you know, there's, there's definitely a learning curve there. And some of the business practices that we have learned about and and implemented in GCI have helped us a lot there. Uh, Regular communication, actually identifying and, and, and promulgating our our core values, um, reinforcing those to all all of our team on a regular basis, those kinds of things. As you said, some of it's just intrinsic that you do, hopefully, by the way you present yourself to your clients and and your team. But some of the processes we have now have kind of more formalized that for us. And, you know, I think a big thing that we've learned is, as you said, you might not have that weekly face-to-face pep rally, but you need to have some a, a, a meeting cadence. You need to have a regular commitment to some gatherings, even though they're remotely, even though they're Zoom or Teams or something like that, to keep the team engaged. Absolutely. Yeah, and we'll get into more of that here as we talk about systems, because systems is interrelated to culture, and you're exactly right. But most small organizations, Chris, in my experience, their challenge, especially again, as we've added this component of being distributed, and as you said, we we all have been because of COVID, you know, if you're a small engineering firm or a small general contractor, which which most of these firms are, when I say small, you're not big corporations that have an HR department or somebody that can own culture, right? Or a small law firm that, that might be listening. It really then what will happen is despite the fact that you may not have or you've just started over the last few years to kind of make it a process, that's why it's so important that it starts at the top and that it's really who you guys are because it would quickly fall apart otherwise. The best program or process or the best 
you know, um, articulation of it throughout the organization falls apart because in a small organization, people see through that very quickly. They see through that very quickly as to how you behave or Paul behaves or Alfonso behaves because in a larger organization, the people at the top can kind of hide behind layers of people. But in a small organization like yours or a small engineering firm, people see you, they interact with you, they might be on a job site with you. So your values and that culture gets represented to them on a daily basis, regardless of what the poster of the flying eagle on the wall may or may not say. Exactly, right, right. So you were mentioning some too, as far as technology and how that folds into the whole culture and, and, and I guess regularly reinforcing that to people. So what do you see in that regard? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's the systems and the technology. I, I, let's start with the systems first. You know, you guys are ahead of the curve for an organization of your size with implementing systems. And we're talking about all types of systems, most importantly, EOS, right, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. So you all took on that challenge of implementing that system so that you do have this process that becomes more repeatable, but also that allows your rugged individualist to be more productive individually and as a team. And, and that's the thing that's hard because you're, you all are a classic example where you as leaders are also delivering, working with clients, interacting with clients, working on projects. And often what I see happen at similar organizations is you just you don't find the time to implement systems. And so it's this ongoing chaos that results. What you all have done very well is understood the value and the importance of implementing systems. And just to define systems, systems can be something as in, in, encompassing as EOS, which is, again, based on traction from Gino Wickman, the entrepreneur operating system, which is very comprehensive. Or it could be a, something as simple as a checklist that people, I think, in small organizations get hung up on what is a system. A system is anything that gives us structure in particular in those areas where something gets performed the same way on somewhat of a repeated basis. But it's also, as you spoke to Chris, it's how we're going to communicate. That's a system as well. How are we gonna to come together on a periodic basis, on a regular cadence to communicate and collaborate? That's a system also. Implementing a CRM tool is a technology that supports a system. This is how we're going to interact with prospective new clients. This is how we're gonna walk them through the process of becoming a client. This is how we're gonna deliver our service to them. All of those things, GCI I think is ahead of the curve compared to other similar size organizations in implementing those systems. With the end result being that the individuals are more productive, the team collaborates better, and the end result for the client is higher quality. That's what I've observed. Yeah, higher quality work, better coordination among our team members. A lot of our projects in the litigation end of, of things that we work on, there's more than one of our team members involved. And one of the benefits of the systems, as you described, some of them can be pretty detailed and some of them can be uh, more of an outline or checklist. But we've worked hard to have a lot better consistency regardless of who our technical team members are and in an assignment for a client, that everybody's educated about the right way to go about it, 
whatever the technical task we're doing is done in a repeatable way. Our reports, um, we worked on making them more user-friendly, more informative, better looking visually, um, all those things, and, and, and then making all that consistent. And all those, as you said, are different examples of, of systems that, um, that ultimately, hopefully, make us do a better, uh, do a better job for our clients. Yeah, they absolutely do. I mean, I think that's why GCI is the leader in that respect. When you compare the the work product that GCI delivers, that's I think that's one of the reasons it's superior. Certainly, certainly it's to a big extent that you have extreme talent at GCI, right? Very talented people doing the work. But the system allows them to produce that work on a consistent basis at that high level of quality. And that's that's a key component, Chris, is the consistency systems allow us to deliver on a consistent basis so that every one of GCI's clients receives the same level of service, the same level of quality, whether it's a report or an inspection or appearing as an expert witness, whatever it is, those underlying systems ensure that you show up with the best that GCI has to offer for every client. And that goes into the technology end of it as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and how we, everything from collecting data to presenting that report and everything in between. Yeah, and so I, what I have seen is that, you know, Paul in particular and you as well, you guys are not afraid to try technology. And, and, and it doesn't always work out, right? Sometimes it fails. <laughs> and that's okay because... If you're not failing sometimes, that means you're not trying hard enough. So you guys are never afraid. I have never heard from the leadership of GCI, oh, that's just the way we've always done it. That's never something I have heard at GCI. Instead, it's always, how could we do it better? How could we do it more effectively? How could we deliver more for the client? Can we apply this tool or that tool? And sometimes it ends up with a bunch of different tools, which, which is a challenge. But what it shows is that you're not afraid to apply technology to facilitate productivity and to improve the quality of what you're delivering to the client. Yeah, and I think we have actually been ahead of the curve in a lot of areas. You know, just an example that I think of is, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, everybody was talking about, you know, kind of a paperless office type thing, paperless, right, right. everything was going to go digital. And again, we were, we were ahead on that. And our biggest challenge was that, you know, we could do a lot of that digitally, internally, but externally, everybody was still in a paper mode. And it's not been that long ago that in a big litigation case, we would get boxes and boxes full of... <laughs> full of documents and and it, you know back in the day we would then you know store those in file cabinet and 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 as experts when we we're involved in a case we we're just thumbing through all that paperwork and then when we got to the point where internally we could we saw all the efficiency and advantages to digitizing all that we would get all those documents in and then we'd send them off to all be scanned into a system and then the next thing was we would encourage our clients, don't send us the paper products, send them to us where you've already scanned them in. And so then it would right. be, we'd get CDs and thumb drives. And now we've got, gotten to the point where most of, most everyone now is comfortable with the, the digitized format and it's just sharing links 
and, and even in our system and in our emails now, we have a link where our clients can click right on that in our signature and upload directly to our system um, all the documents that they need to send. So, you know, it's just one little example, but as you said, we're not afraid to try new things and some don't work, some you revise and go another direction, but all of them, I think, eventually lead to a, a big improvement in, in efficiency, quality, everything else that we were talking about before. Yeah, and, and I think it, it comes also, at this point comes back to culture and from this perspective, Chris, as a small organization, it's not like you have a large IT department. In fact, that's virtual for you as well, where you've got people coming up with or testing these technologies, or what about this? Why don't we do a test project in this? That you just don't have those resources, right? You are you are a very lean organization. So what you've created culture-wise is that you empower and encourage and almost require people at all levels to come up with ideas, right? Where whether it's somebody like Eric who's out in the field constantly leading teams of people doing inspections, coming up with how do we use a tablet better to to how do we photograph more effectively. You guys, you and Paul and Alfonso are very open to those ideas coming from all levels of the organization. What I have found can happen, especially in smaller organizations, is you've got these people at the top whose egos would be bruised if the idea wasn't theirs. And that's, I think, and also a, a subtle but very important part of culture is that the way GCI works is if somebody comes up with an idea, it doesn't matter whose idea it is. If it's a good idea, it's a good idea. Yep, and that EOS operating system that you talked about encourages that in that you've got, they don't call it an organizational chart. You've got this accountability chart. You've got regular communication going on at the different levels of accountability. Um, Everyone understands what they're accountable for, and those ideas then can move right up to wherever they need to, uh, to get implemented. And then, as you know, we're big believers, followers of the whole uh, extreme ownership Navy SEALs concepts, and their 100%, uh, that's their whole structure, is the decentralized command, you, you know, have the commander's intent, but then have the individuals in their different areas empowered to make decisions, get things done, and then when a mission is complete, debrief about that and get that information shared throughout the organization. So we're always learning. We're always improving. Um, Every time we do something, hopefully we come back with a better way that can be shared throughout and, and again, uh, do a better job for our clients the next time. Yeah. And then in my observation, that's one of the reasons you've been around in the position of leadership for 30 years is you've been able to evolve, pivot when you need to, and continuously improve. Uh, You've had to do that and you've done that, and I think that's why you've been in the position of leadership that you have for so long. What do you think about other tools and resources for the team, maybe, maybe still involving technology or in some other areas that you see with GCI or, or some of your other clients that you work with? Well, I mean, most recently, the the CRM implementation, I I think, is a good example of another application of a tool. Um, And and I think one of the key things that happen in an organization to be positioned to adopt new technology 
is you you have to have a culture that doesn't say well I don't that's different that makes it more difficult. Let's just talk about CRM for a second. The the classic pushback I always hear from organizations that implement a CRM is that everybody says no now it takes me longer to do my job or it slows me down. It's a typical classic excuse. And so the culture has to be strong enough to say, well, we're going to try this to make us more efficient, even though there is a learning curve, right? So that approach to implementing technology, I think, is what you have to see. Whether we look at it from an inspector in the field, trying different technologies, even though initially it might slow them down, I, I think has been part of how you guys have done a good job of implementing tools and new tools. Am I answering the question you were asking? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we've talked a lot about people, and one of the areas that you've helped us in, um, and you're continuing to work with us in, in, is recruiting and identifying new people. We, you know, we continue to grow, and and we need more team members. So, in helping us look for the right fit, the people that hopefully will fit our culture, be productive members of our team. And and we've always found that to be a big challenge in that we're in kind of a niche industry, even within the engineering or, or architecture field, we, we specialize in the building envelope. So it's not even a general engineering firm. So that's always been a challenge is to finding the right people to add to the team. And now that you've been working with us in that regard, I wondered if you had any insights on that that we might share yeah you know as you were saying that the the top word that comes to my mind is resourcefulness but i think that to be successful in an environment like gci and other you know a small engineering firm like i said a small contractor or subcontractor a typical law firm i think the resourcefulness is key in other words in small environments like this entrepreneurial environments you're not going to have a lot of support staff. You're not going to have, I can't pop down three cubicles and ask a question. The support is there, but you have to be resourceful to, to, to do well in this environment. You have to be the kind of person that's going to try to figure it out first with the resources that you do have and then raise your hand when you get stuck. It's funny because I was just putting together a list. I had put together a list when my daughter graduated from high school getting ready, actually from college rather, getting ready to start her first job. I sat her and her boyfriend down and said, here's my list of things that you need to know. (laughs) And one of them was this concept of resourcefulness. In other words, to be able to go and try to figure things out before you say, well, I don't know, right? I don't know where to find that. I think that that's what I, one of the key things that I've been looking for in people that are gonna be a good fit at GCI is do they have that resourcefulness? Do they have that about them that they can go try to get the answer best they can? But then there's this tricky thing of when do you stop spinning your wheels and raise your hand, right? But that's a key component, I think, Chris, is being resourceful. Yeah, and I think that fits, you know, you could also, I guess, define that, um, as I was talking about earlier, earlier, as the the whole extreme ownership um, concept is that – Whatever position you're in, your your field of responsibility is everything. <laughs> and and so you have to be resourceful. You have to force yourself to be re- resourceful. 
if you're taking the attitude that the answer is not going to come from above magically or somebody uh, down the chain of command, I'm not going to slough this off on them and assume they're going to take care of it. I'm going to take responsibility for everything in my field, uh, in, in my area. And I think that's exactly, it's just another way of saying what you're saying and defining as resourcefulness. Yeah, agreed. I see this as a challenge, for example, when I coach people that are transitioning from the corporate world to starting their first business or here from the corporate world to working for a smaller organization. The thing you have to think about is how dependent are you and how much do you need those resources that a large corporation gives you? And, and, and we don't even think about it sometimes. So to make that transition either to an entrepreneurial organization like GCI or to become your own boss, you have to be ready to, to not have those resources at your disposal. And it's a different way of thinking, right? It's a different way of thinking. And so you, you have to be much more creative and have to really try to get the answers yourself and be accountable and resourceful on your own within this smaller, more virtual organization. Yeah, for me, it's all it all goes to personality and and your makeup. But for me, it's it so much more it it's it's so much more interesting. It's so more much more exciting. But when you were saying that, it made me think of sometimes when uh, trying to fill a relatively high level position in in the expert or senior consultant end of things, and had some very good candidates and really felt we were establishing a, a good relationship with somebody who could really come in and be a productive member of our team. But there have been some times when they were coming from that much bigger corporate world. And it, and even as you said, they're, it's not like they're stepping off the edge and starting their own business, but even making the jump for them to a more lean organization like ours, it was just too much of a, it, it was too much of yeah. a change for them to contemplate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And listen, so, I think maybe at the end of the day, that's, that's was for both sides benefits that it, that it didn't work out. And then you touched on it. It was so key is the flip side of this is the, the flexibility and the opportunity that presents for the right person. If you look at it from the perspective of, okay, yeah, I'm not going to have all of these resources at my disposal, but boy, am I going to have an opportunity to learn, to explore, to make decisions, to make an impact. I mean, I mean, for any of us who, who want this, one of the things that having been in the corporate world that was most frustrating to me is that on the flip side in this large organization, I was this little cog in the wheel at best, right? But in an entrepreneurial organization like GCI, each individual can have a huge impact. And I don't know how much more rewarding that can be, right? I mean, that, that's what the right type of fit for GCI is looking for, is the opportunity to make a larger impact than they might have been able to make in a large organization, as far as this particular topic that we're talking about here. Exactly. Sense? Yep, yep. And I think that does then, that resourcefulness does transfer over to our relationship with our clients. Um, when you have that culture, yeah. when you have that resourcefulness, that's just such a big part of the way we operate. That's needed and valuable um, when we're working with our clients, especially on these high-end expert assignments, litigation assignments, forensic investigations. 
that may be very difficult, complex situations to determine all the, the problems and solutions there. That requires resourcefulness as well. So when that's part of your everyday world from in, in everything you do, I, I think it makes it better for our clients in that we're not corporate drones. We just know how to connect A to B and spit out something for them. Yeah, well said. I think that's such a huge point, Chris, is that that resourcefulness and that creativity. You're never going to hear from a GCI person who is certainly who's facing the customer, an expert. Oh, we, I don't know, we, we don't do that or we've never done it that way, right? You're never going to hear that. Um, it's, just, it's just not the way it operates. That's just not the way we operate. And so that, you're absolutely right that that, that's the opportunity then for people who do, going back to the question you asked about what do we look for when we're looking for somebody to join the team, that's, that's the magic part of it. And that's the opportunity. And that is, again, why GCI has done so well and how it delivers for its clients. Because the approach, your approach, Paul's approach, Alfonso is never, well, th this is what we have to offer you and we're not varying from that. It's how can we help you solve your problem. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, I think we've, you know, we, we try to figure out a way to, to solve any problem, to do anything. <laughs> and and, and, and you, sometimes that can be a little overwhelming. But that can be then, a challenge. Yeah. And, yeah. and that comes back to the systems and the structure. And that's a lot of what EOS has done for you is, is properly, there has to be some guidance. Exactly. Because you can't be everything to everybody as a small organization, certainly not effectively. So I think that's going back to what the systems have done for you is giving you that structure, those quarterly cadence of, of having these discussions about where we go next, what type of business makes sense for us now, how do we deliver better for our clients. As a small organization, that's what the you to do is that methodology to adjust on a regular basis is what that's done for you. Yeah. Very well said. Well, as I was saying to you and, and Janice before we started, I, I could talk to you about this for hours because, you know, it, it's, it's all very interesting stuff, but we'll, we should probably close on that note. And I, I really appreciate your time today, Henry, and, and all the work you do for us regularly for GCI. You want to tell any of our listeners how they could reach you at Levante and, and the information about your uh, very successful podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Thehowofbusiness.com is where you'll find everything about me as well as the podcast, which is called The How of Business. Great. And it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting and informative podcast with lots of interesting guests that Henry has. So if any of our listeners are interested in entrepreneurial operations and, and growing businesses and running businesses, I highly recommend it. Also Thank wanted you. to mention to our listeners that we're always looking for interesting guests uh, on our podcast. And if you are interested or know someone who may be an interesting guest, please reach out to Janice Hoffman at GCI. You can reach her through our website or her email address is jhoffman at gciconsultants.com. And we'd like to talk to uh, you about um, being a future guest. So I want to thank Henry Lopez again for joining us today. We also 
invite you to take a further look at our GCI consultant services on our website at www.gciconsultants.com or you can reach us at phone number 877-740-9990 to discuss any of your building envelope needs. Thank you to our listeners once again, and I look forward to talking with you the next time on our Everything Building Envelope podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more information on the Everything Building Envelope, previous episodes, show notes, bonus video content, and much more, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com.